0: back. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. My name is Catherine Rubino from Above the Law. Today, I am joined by a fellow ATLer, Chris Williams. And as you may have guessed by the lack of interruptions in the intro, uh, our colleague Joe Patrice is not here today. Uh, He is living his best conference life, I think at a combination of conferences this week, uh, ACC as well as Relativity Fest. So we have brought in a special guest, uh, Above the Law columnist, Liz Die. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. Hi. So good to have you on um, and actually talk about some of the wonderful things that you write for us as well. Um, but before we get started and kind of dig into the week's legal news, we start with a segment called Small Talk. We don't have any sound effects again because of the lack of Joe Patrice. Aren't we all really grateful in our heart of hearts? <laughs>
1: That's not true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well there's a certain extra charm i think when uh you do it yourself there chris so uh, i appreciate that uh but uh liz you're new to the podcast what did you do this past weekend
2: um i worked and i did a lot of (laughs) yoga i went to a lot of hot yoga it was very hot (laughs)
0: <laughs> fair, uh, fair enough. Uh, I was sort of the opposite, chilling a little bit. Uh, I went to the Villanova homecoming game this weekend. Uh, my sister is an alum and my cousin is a current student. So a bunch of my family decided to head out to the suburbs of Philadelphia and do some tailgating, which was very cold in the shade and a little sunnier uh, <laughs> if you actually got some of the sun. It was not the most exciting football game I've ever seen in in real life, person. Although it actually was close game by the end. It was Villanova one thirty one to twenty nine against Albany, but it was. I mean, I went to a I went to a magnet high school that focused on academics, and we had a bigger crowd for homecoming. Mm. Yeah, it, it was fun though. It was fun. Uh, the uh, the wildcat was very accessible, um, which is <laughs> different than some other uh, college mascots. But uh, a, a good time anyway.
1: Is is very acceptable? Like super average, or
0: no? I mean, it's accessible. Like you could just like walk up and be like, "Hey, I'd love a picture with the wildcat." You know, like I feel. Oh cool. Like, <laughs> I cool. Because like I, I had, was
1: I was wondering if it meant like was, like, meh or, like, wasn't racist. <laughs> like, super acceptable, like, oh, wasn't a caricature of, of a Native American. No, It
0: was not. It was just like, a cat, right? So, cool, uh, yay! Cool. Yeah. Um, but it was just, like, driving around on, like, a golf cart, and, like, no one was really around the Wildcat for, like, large chunks of time. Like, I think it Power 5 kind of teams... There's like, you know, they have their own security detail because no one wants, you know, the Oregon duck's head to come off, you know, or Mm. something crazy like that. But there they're like, hey, yeah, you want to you want a picture with the wildcat? Don't you want a picture? (laughs) It felt a little bit more um, down to earth, maybe. I guess that's maybe a decent phrase. It was still fun. How about you, Chris? Did you anything fun this weekend?
1: Uh, Let's see. No fires. Yay! so that's good <laughs> you know I appreciate I appreciate the small things you know there's there's all people always talk about like the when they think about big events they think about like uh, you know parties or you know festivals but it's also important to appreciate a nice a nice calm Thursday you know I didn't have to call the fire police the fire police the fire department I know.
0: mean the kind of fireplace but
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. a lot less I hear handcuffs I guess a lot less <laughs> handcuffs interesting calendars sometimes but you know <laughs> Better all around. um Let's see for the for the nerds out there. um I'm playing old school Runescape, and I just hit 77 Runecrafting, which means I get to Runecraft blood runes, and I'm so excited about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you understand what I meant, you're like, oh shit, you know. You're also like, people still play Runescape, but if you don't, you're like, what are you talking about? And that's understandable. Um, it's okay.
0: I'm just gonna smile and nod. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate
1: it. And also, I just want to say. Um, you know, shout out to Joe. It's weird to hear the small talk where there's not like a lot mm, yeah, or like a, a <laughs> grumpy old man. Just general
0: yeah, noises. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I miss I miss like this the Scrooge aesthetic and a love of pressure cookers that Joe has. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's warm in that. Scorching sort of way. We know, you know, he's a, he's a good dude. So. Well,
0: harumph to you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. the best that I got. It's my best Joe Patrice uh, impersonation. But, mm. uh, okay, so we're done. We're done here with small talk. Again, no sound effects, so points for us. <laughs> and we can kind of get started on the stories of the week. Uh, one of the big stories, uh, Liz, I think was one of yours. Trump decided to take on the Pulitzer Committee.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Good times.
2: <laughs> that sounds logical. <laughs> so he's actually been on this nonsense with the Pulitzer Committee for like a year. He first got his Sparkle Magic lawyer, Alina Haba, <laughs> to send a, a spoliation letter um, like over a year ago, I think, um, or at least a year ago, saying that, um, threatening that if they didn't revoke the 2018 prizes, for um, the Post and the Times for their coverage of the Russia investigation. He was going to sue them for defamation, um, which is, you know, it's ridiculous, right? Like the the Statute of Limitations for Defamation is four years. I mean, it's two years in Florida. It's 2022. Um, You know, he could have sued in (laughs) D.C. where it was one year. (laughs) Time is, in fact, linear. um, But I mean, it was ridiculous. And, you know, aside from that, like they did not— defame him by sure. um sure. by handing out these prizes. Like that's that's not how defamation goes. None of this makes any sense. But that didn't stop him. And he sent um two other letters. He got different lawyers. He got um I believe it was Rowley and Irving um to send a letter. And also he sent a letter on his own. But now he has like a boutique litigation firm. Not not like not like First Amendment litigation, but you know business <laughs> Business litigation out of Saint Petersburg, which sent another cease and desist letter, and this time they have a whole they have a whole new theory of the case. And the theory of the case goes that 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 Trump, after he complained a million times, the Pulitzer people were like, "Oh, fine," and they they did their own in, internal investigation, and then they put out this. Statement on July 18th, saying that we have established a formal process by which complaints against winning entries are carefully reviewed. In the last three years, the Pulitzer Board has received inquiries, including from former President Trump, about submissions from the Times and the Post, blah, blah, blah. The Pulitzer Board commissioned two independent reviews of the work. And the the separate reviews converged in their conclusions that no passages or headlines, contentions, or assertions in any of the winning submissions were discredited by facts that emerged subsequent to the conferral of the prizes. And that, being in July of 2022, is now the new defamatory statement on which they're going to bootstrap (laughs) themselves into the statute of limitations in, you know, I guess any jurisdiction, D.C. or, you know, Florida or anywhere else, maybe perhaps New Jersey, since he spends quite a lot of time there. Um, And now they're, they're within the statute of limitations. Because this statement from the Pulitzer board, which like eight people read, damaged him by reaffirming the original findings from 2018, that the articles from 2016 and 2017 and 2018 were, you know, that which documented his Russia if you're listening discussions, <laughs> which he claims were defamatory, which were clearly not, but whatever. So that's where we are.
0: You know, it, although I think that you're right, that the theory of the case is pretty wacky and out there, it's kind of nice to hear about a, a Trump legal kerfuffle that does not actually scare my, scare me for, like, you know, democracy's sake. This just sounds like a wild theory. Well, that, yes, and. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, and,
2: right? Like, sure. yes, this, this is a bullshit lawsuit among many, many bullshit lawsuits that— that they are filed, I mean that, that he has filed and, and continues mm-hmm. to file. But he also is kind of there, it is part of this um, conservative ploy or you know plan. It's it's they're not they're not subtle about it to overturn New York <laughs> Times v. Sullivan, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. a, as a person who reads a lot of bullshit lawsuits, a bullshit, you know, bullshit First Amendment lawsuits, bullshit defamation lawsuits by Devin Nunes and Donald Trump and you know the rest of the goon squad, yeah, it's hilarious. And also, it's a, a, you know, it's a full frontal assault on the First Amendment and -hmm. and one that they, they're not kidding, they really, really do intend to overturn New York Times v. Sullivan. I mean, which is preposterous, right, because right-wing media is so fact-free that they would be immediately sued, you know, by everybody all the time. But it's, you know, it's hilarious and also, you know. Not sure. Sure. <laughs> I, I know that the overturning
0: of Sullivan has been on the sort of right wing agenda for a while, but maybe I am naive, but still hope that that's at least a while uh, ahead of us. The, the reality of that, you know, it seems right. It seems like a much more just dis- hopefully I mean, maybe I'm
2: wrong. We, <laughs> we, we've, we've got at wrong. least two months. Yeah. Right. Spring term, probably, you know, it'll be fine. But I like your your
0: sort of spin on it, that this might be very much cutting off their nose to to bite their face, at least in terms of the overall conservative movement. Because what happens when OAN can't be in business anymore? (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, OAN functionally isn't in business anymore because sure. they got removed. Um, but like, okay, say Gateway Pundit, right, is a is a blog which has a schizillion. I mean, it's a ridiculous. It's like nonsense, but it has a schizillion clicks all the time, and and it publishes just utter nonsense. I mean, and there are look. Hannity says all kinds of crazy stuff. How many times did we mm-hmm. hear that Hillary Clinton was at death's door, right? So Trump has filed this, you know, and and appealed that that nonsensical suit in Florida where he, you know, alleged that Hillary Clinton and Jim Comey, you know, conspired to do Ricos to him or something. I mean, it he, they, it really was a civil Rico suit, and it really did get laughed out of court, and he really, really did appeal it. This is the world we live in. This is 2022.
0: This is unfortunately not shocking anymore, <laughs> right?
2: So you know, here we are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Generate quality briefs, memos, and redlines in minutes with Calidus AI. You enter the case's facts, then Calidus suggests bodies of law, statutes, and precedents. You tell it if those are relevant, and Calidus generates a well-cited, well-formatted document. You can trust what went into it because you put it there. Be exceptionally productive with better outcomes using Legal's most advanced AI platform. Just three minutes from registration to results. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code JOE. At calidusai.com. That's C A L L I D U S A I.com.
1: Hey, Gee, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's JD McGuffin at Law.
0: welcome back. The other story that uh, we spent a lot of time on this week was about the Supreme Court leak. We all remember that the Dobbs decision, the case that overturned Roe v. Wade and all that nonsense, was leaked ahead of time before the final published decision. And the Supreme Court and sort of I think the legal elite came out to say, but really, really the problem is the the fact that we got the decision before the actual decision was published and they promised an investigation into it. And suspiciously, we've heard very, very little since then. I don't think that that's necessarily shocking for those of us to sort of cover the industry I think that we probably won't hear the what what we what comes out of the end of this uh, investigation. But I am curious for y'all. Do you think what is your favorite theory about who did the leak and why it's not coming out? Because I think it was Ginny. I got to be honest. Uh, I <laughs> my know mama, people love that theory. I know people it's love that good. theory. That it's is too
2: good. Stupid. I know. I, I I don't think it was James. I don't think we're ever going to know because I think nobody is an it. Like, you'd have to be really dumb, right? Or you'd have mm-hmm. to, like, give it to Glenn, Glenn Greenwald who would probably, like, screenshot it and show your, you know, show the email because because <laughs> that's how he rolls. But unless it was given to a reporter in, you know, in that way or unless the person – who worked their entire life to get to the Supreme Court um, and whatever, um, mm-hmm. was really, really, really dumb and had the dumbest upset ever, we're never going to know. And that's, that's fine, you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. And what difference did it make that we knew like six weeks in advance? It was the same opinion. It's not like he changed a word of it, right? Alito still did what he did. So mm-hmm. we're not going to know. But it wasn't Jenny. She's not that smart. She's not that smart. Like, for her to, you know, jujitsu it, like, oh, I'm going to make it look like Katanji Brown Jackson did it or whatever. Like, come on. She's not that smart.
0: I don't know, man. She had her hands all over everything related to January 6th. Like, she's goddamn Forrest Gump.
2: So oh, I would okay. But not she had her hands over it in the dumbest <laughs> way possible. Like, she's sending out form letters that are like— Why isn't, you know, isn't Biden on a a barge at Gitmo? Like, she did have her hands on it, but just in the most ham-handed, like, dumb way possible. Liz, Liz. I don't think she did anything.
1: Liz, this is a classy podcast. We will not make fun of Clarence Thomas's stupid wife.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. Right. Sure. No, far be it from me to impugn the honor of Mrs. Clarence Thomas, that brain genius.
0: <laughs> uh, fair enough. I mean, I think that certainly the initial speculation um, leaned heavily towards the clerks, but it strikes me that y- y- clerks seemed very low on my personal list because you have, I mean, people who go to law school fundamentally are risk averse, right? I think that right. that is something that characterizes lawyers, generally speaking. These are folks who, have, who are literally at the pinnacle. This is, this is the achievement, that they get to have like the gold star on their resume for the rest of their damn lives. Right. I don't think anybody's throwing it away when, as you said, Liz, the exact same decision, you know, functionally, the same decision came out very shortly after. But I do think it absolutely rallied the right and made, uh, made sure that no other conservatives joined the more moderate but still awful decision that uh John Roberts uh, the his concurrence that he penned. Do
2: you think it really did have the have the effect of pinning it kind of as as written in place?
0: Based on the lack of edits from from the draft to the final, uh, right. that certainly I think is is a decent theory. You know, everything we've heard not just from this decision, but you know, the ACA case that John Roberts really has this sort of you know, moderate for the sake of moderate kind of mentality. It seems very it's it seems very on brand. I can imagine those sorts of conversations happening. And I can also imagine sort of the far right of the court feeling very locked in place when their name is originally
2: attached to it and not wanting to feel like they squirreled. On it. I mean, there are six of them. Like, was it ever in doubt? Like, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. You, you knew well, it was going to happen the second Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, right? Like, justice yeah. g- without Justice g- I mean, they were probably going to do it anyway, right? But they were certainly going to do it when they put Amy Boney Carrot on the so Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Amy COVID Barrett, as I like to call her. But hmm. but I, I mean I definitely think you're right, but I do think there is there are some functional differences between, you know, whether if if John Roberts is writing the majority opinion or if Sam right. Alito is writing the majority opinion, not just sort of the the sort of you know, flame on I don't give a fuck anymore attitude that I think really characterizes the Alito decision, but also in terms of the way the trigger laws uh, at other states got implemented um, versus oh, yeah, a more, yeah. you know, I think that they did have a lot more impact. And, and as much as I think that a if, if that concurrence was the majority opinion, I think it would still be devastating for rights in this country. Probably better.
2: <laughs> at least yeah. in the short okay. term. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least a little bit, right? I oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, the the way that the Texas bounty hunter law went into effect, that was that was gross. That was really gross and and was disastrous. Um so yeah, I see, I see your point about losing whatever moderating effect um John Roberts could have had had he authored the opinion, but there were six of them abortion rights were always
0: you know ever were always uh going to go down it was a question of how how far and how fast
2: and i think we got the worst case scenario of all of those right on the other hand it clearly is going to have a, a an effect on the midterms like we will know you know in 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 4 weeks what the effect was and i think it's going to be serious like you could see that in kansas you can nobody wants this right this is not majority rule this is this is countermajoritarian rule this is bad policy being foisted on the country um, against the expressed wishes of the people. So we will see. Yeah,
0: I mean, absolutely. Of course, you know, OPEC came in and decided to try to influence the elections in their own way. So so I'm not sure right. that um, we get any, we wind up with enough of a benefit, even of, of the Alito decision, for, you know, in terms of left-wing politics. But but uh, it certainly has motivated, I think, a lot more people to come out and to actually participate in the I process. I think it's motivated essentially-
2: women. I think it's, it's concretized. I do. I do. I, I, I think I, – who knows what, what happens with the gas prices. But I do think it has concretized the risk for women, you know, across, across demographic spectrum. So I, I don't know. I think that there will be um, an effect on the midterms. But we will find out in three weeks.
0: And another story that got a lot of attention this week is Steve Bannon's ongoing uh, legal woes. I know that's something, Liz, you've been covering for an awful long time for us. What is the latest in the Bannon saga?
2: Bannon's going to jail. Yay!
0: Um, well, I mean. See, now we it, could have used ourselves. Yay!
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's going eventually to jail. I mean, he's, he's, he's not going to go to jail pending appeal, which I know people are pissed about, but. You know, I, I think that that's – look, it's, it's U.S. America. That's That seems like an appropriate rule. Um, but, okay, so Bannon um, defied Congress. Bannon was subpoenaed by the January 6th Select Committee, and he chose not to respond in any meaningful way. He refused to produce any documents, and he refused to testify. And he claimed executive privilege, which is – You know, ridiculous. He was fired from the White House in 2017. He was asked about being events which took place in 2020 and 2021 and events which he has spoken publicly about, particularly his coordination with Peter Navarro, who also tried this trick um, of defying the committee and got indicted for contempt of Congress. So... He refused to show up and he made this claim of executive privilege and it was immediately born to be false. His lawyer, Robert Costello, who is um a Trump land regular, he represented Rudy Giuliani, and he is the one who infamously kind of people say, tried to dangle a pardon to Michael Cohen to stay online or, or on side in the Russia investigation. So Costello told um, the, the select committee and also the Justice Department that Trump's lawyer, Justin Clark, had invoked privilege on the former president's behalf. But Justin Clark said he'd done no such thing. And he said, you know, to the extent that you have privilege, I count on you to invoke it. But we are not going to Tell you what you have to say, which is privileged, but of course, like nothing was privileged, right? There, there was no privilege for someone who is not an executive officer. It hasn't so, been for years. <laughs> no, I mean it's, I mean it's, it's preposterous on its face, right? So Bannon tried to invoke privilege, um, and. But he didn't do it in, I mean, look, a lot of them invoked privilege. Pat Cipollone invoked privilege, but he sat his ass down in the chair and said, I'm not going to answer your question on, you know, citing executive privilege.
0: And also actual actual attorney that actually worked as part of the federal the government White House. At the, right. during the time in question.
2: Correct. <laughs> his his right. claim's a so lot, a lot of, <laughs> Right. A lot of them, you know, did invoke privilege, but you that doesn't mean you don't have to put your ass in the chair. And so um, Bannon said he didn't. Have to do it. And, and, and indeed, he did not do it. So he invoked in his trial or attempted to invoke in his trial a lot of what I wrote about as permission slip defenses. He tried to assert an advice of counsel defense because he said that Costello had told him he didn't have to show up. He tried to assert various forms of public authority defense, saying that he kind of got permission from Donald Trump, or there were OLC memoranda that said former White House officials could not be prosecuted for contempt of Congress but none of those were really opposite to him because you know he wasn't a white house employee Moreover, the precedent you know, from a case called Licavoli v. United States in D.C. says that it's that you can't you can't assert mistake of law defenses, right? So you couldn't insert, assert advice of counsel because advice of counsel is a mistake of law defense, and you can't say, "Well, I read all these." You know, I mean, Bannon was preposterous. He was like, "I was reading over all of these OLC memoranda by the fire in my spare time," you know, drinking gin or he, he's <laughs> or whatever, but like, you know, in my three shirts, um, pouring over. These OLC memoranda from the 80s and 90s. And thus I knew that I could give Benny Thompson two middle fingers. I am smarter than
0: you, don't you know? I am smarter (laughs) than
2: you. And right, right. Although he talked about his plan, you know, I mean, he was the one that said all hell's going to break loose on January 5th. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, he definitely was in on it. Anyway, it did not work. None of those worked. Um, U.S. District Judge Carl Nichols. Wouldn't let him present any of those defenses because it was contrary to the precedent, right? Like of all of the United States says, you cannot present mistake of law. You can present mistake of fact, like if you thought that testimony was supposed to be Thursday and it was supposed to be Tuesday and you didn't show up. You can present that. But you can't say, well, I just thought I didn't have to show up because, you know, you're shit out of luck. And and indeed, he was shit out of luck, right? So none of those defenses were permissible at trial, nor was his malicious prosecution defense because the Justice Department refused to lock up um, Mark Meadows. Although Mark Meadows did famously engage with the committee and hand over a gazillion embarrassing texts that he had with you know, Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity. So, and Ginny um, Thomas. <laughs> and Ginny Thomas, right. That was the one where she was like, are they going to put the Biden crime family on a barge at Gitmo? That's what I'm hearing, which is why, Chris, I really, really don't think that she was the leaker because she's batshit crazy. Um mm. Anyway, so none of that worked, and the jury convicted Steve Bannon, who, you know, failed to be able to turn his trial into, as he promised, like the misdemeanor from hell for Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, and Nancy Pelosi. Like, he was not allowed to subpoena Nancy Pelosi, and he wasn't allowed to subpoena Merrick Garland, and, you know, end of. Like, we're done. So he's convicted, and he is going to appeal. He has already promised he's going to appeal, and he'll be out pending pending the results of the appeal. And good luck, buddy, because I do not think the D.C. Circuit is going to be receptive to this argument.
0: Were you at all surprised at the length <laughs> Uh, sentenced to four months, I think six months was sort of the maximum that he was facing. Were you surprised sort of where the judge decided to come out on that?
2: No, I mean, I think, look, he 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 looks like a first-time offender, despite the fact that he was pardoned and is facing trial in, in New York. He's, you know, he's mm-hmm. been convicted again for that We Build the Wall scam, which we could talk about if you want. Um, but, <laughs> you know, six months is a lot, right? The Justice Department said mm-hmm. he, you know, basically he was an asshole who, you know, flagrantly— disregarded the law and was was disregarded this court. But, okay, he is a first-time offender, and it is, you know, contempt of Congress. It is a misdemeanor. Sure. Like, I think four months was pretty rational. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm i I'm okay with it. I can live with it. He also <laughs> famously refused to engage with pretrial sentencing and told them, I, I have the money, and I'm not going to tell you where my money is, which, like, okay, if I were Steve Bannon, I probably wouldn't want to talk about my money either, because he's got some— you know, interesting associations, but he told them, I'm not going to tell you where my money is. You can impose the entire $200,000 fine or a hundred thousand dollars for each count. But the judge kind of didn't. I think, it, I think the number was $6,500 that he is going to wind up having mm-hmm. to pay, which, which is a bummer, but like also who cares? Right. You right, know, right. Go to jail. I mean, the
0: money, the money wasn't the point being able to see him in, in jail was really what's gonna, you know, help our hearts right. a little bit. <laughs> right. So, and like,
2: w- maybe you go ahead. Sorry.
0: No no I was uh, I was gonna kind of take you up on your build the wall uh entree there what's sort of next on on Bannon's legal
2: woes agenda So okay so he and this um this veteran named Brian Colfage and some other um, some other people who saw a chance to make a buck had this, um, we this grifty scam that they were going to build their own border wall on the Southern border. And they, and they, I think they raised a couple of like maybe $20 million from donors for it. And part of their pitch was that the, this Colfage guy is a multiple amputee and a veteran and he's very photogenic and he has a pretty wife and a lovely family. And he said he was volunteering and he wasn't getting paid, but, but like he was getting paid and he got paid quite, Quite a They're bit. Ri- they were and lying. <laughs> they were all lying. And they They're all, lying. you know, sent these, like, it's, I, I know you're not supposed to say OK Boomer anymore, so y'all can send your, mean, mean, you know, DM me in Twitter and call me an asshole. But, like, it was such an OK Boomer <laughs> thing. They were all sending each other these texts, like, do not worry, we will have him be our pitch man, and I will move the money around via my shady-ass LLC. And, <laughs> and they, you know, so they, like, they got caught. They were dumb. They got caught. Um, and um, they— so they were con- they were federally indicted, um, and on the eve, like I think on maybe the morning of January 20th, 2021, Trump pardoned Bannon. He did not pardon any of the other conspirators who got time, but that did not make them well disposed toward Bannon, their co-conspirator who got to like walk away clean. And so when the state of New York came knocking and said, how would you like to tell us about your old pal Steve, m- um, multiple of the – it appears um, – his co-conspirators were like, hell yes, and so the state of New watch York has
0: watch me oh, flip. Oh hell yes,
2: right. So uh, uh, it's pretty clear that Colphage is is, is um, on side for the state of New York's prosecution of Bannon, and because you know because of the I think some of the LLCs were registered in New York, and certainly some of the people who um, sent money in were in New York. There's enough of a nexus for the state of New York to prosecute him. So you know, four months is a little bit like maybe we'll just call that like the runway. For him, for Steve <laughs> Bannon's like next phase of life, um, in you know perhaps perhaps a lockup state or federal, I'm not I'm not super picky on that one. I'm agnostic <laughs> where I would like to see him and his shirts wind up. Amazing,
0: and maybe I've just been listening to entirely too much uh, Taylor Swift this weekend, but all I can hear as you're telling the story about his co-conspirators flipping is the Karma song which is an absolute gem of a song. Stop stop shaking your head me, <laughs> <laughs> I will have to listen. It's
2: Bannon's a great album. It's Steve Bannon's honor. Okay. High praise. <laughs>
0: Thank you all for uh, chatting today. And thank you all out there for listening. And thanks, of course, to our sponsors. Be sure to read us on, at Above the Law. You can follow Above the Law at, on Twitter. It's at atl blog. Liz is available on Twitter at $5 Feminist. Chris is at Rights for Rents. I'm at Catherine1. So if you're on Twitter, there's lots of people that you should be following and engaging with. Uh, you should also be listening to the rest of the Legal Talk, ne- Legal Talk Networks. Um Ooh,
1: Joe would have got you for that.
0: He would have. He would have. Unfortunately, he's not here. <laughs> the rest of LTN's uh, podcast offerings. I am also the host of a. Another podcast, The Joe Bow, about diversity issues and the law. And Joe is on some sort of a podcast on Fridays about legal tech. So if he doesn't know the name of it, neither do I. Awesome.
2: <laughs> awesome.
0: And I think that's all I got for this week. Thanks again and uh, happy listening.